I burned through two notebooks doing this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like we write a lot of notes. It's, well, I'd rather have a lot of notes than not a lot of notes. Correct. Than not enough notes, because then... Except my notes are normally fucking useless. Useless. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that has to deal with the repercussions of of the sadness, and we're going to talk about it 20 years after, and we've learned a lot of things since then, right? We sure have. Right? I hope most of us have. I'm your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, what have you learned in 20 years? A lot. I... I don't know if I've talked about this before. Well, hell, in 20 years. What I learned in a day from us recording the last episode to this episode. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I've talked about this on mic. And if anyone is confused about my personal politics, they shouldn't be if they listen to this show. (laughs) Nah. I was a Republican growing up. Mm. If I had voted in the 2012 election, which I would have just... I I turned 18 like a couple weeks before, or I guess like a couple months before. So I didn't. I probably would have voted for Mitt Romney. I've learned a lot in 20 years. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, we all learn. We grow. Exactly. God, I would have... To have that on your permanent record, voting for Mitt Romney... Well, I could have just taken it with me to the grave. Like, they, yeah. nobody would have known, except I can't shut the fuck up. <laughs> Somebody would have known. Somebody out there has to have known. Yeah, it's... Uh, this is tough to watch, Jared. It's this is a this is a brutal episode. Yeah, it's it's one of the hardest episodes of Survivor to watch. Yeah, weirdly enough, I'm more excited to talk about it than the last incident. Fair, and I don't know if that's just because now we have it, because of who is involved or because. The now we have a little more experience talking about this kind of stuff on Mike. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It does suck. It really sucks. Yeah, uh, I shouldn't say more excited, more prepared. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's a good way to put it because there there's a lot to talk about. There's I'm, a there's I'm, a lot of takes. I'm very interested to hear the stuff that wasn't on camera or the stuff that happens after this because mm-hmm. that's fascinating to me yeah and i'll i'll probably have a good chunk of it i'm sure there's tons more out there that i don't have so this is where i send it to the people the people will send us plenty of good bits that happened uh (laughs) there's so much what's something to to, before we get too heavy in the episode because this is a very heavy somber episode yeah i said what i've learned in the last 20 years what's something that you thought as a kid or a teenager or whatever that was either it can be funny it can be real whatever you want that was either objectively or subjectively very wrong mm. uh that adults know what pe- what's going on dude that's so real i i was definitely like oh trust adults they they know and as I got older, I was like, oh, oh, no, nobody knows a goddamn thing about what's going on in life. Yeah. OK, so I'm 29. My parents had me when they were 22. Mm-hmm. I was born on my dad's 22nd birthday. OK, that means when my parents were my age, I was seven. 
I don't know what the fuck's going on at 29. <laughs> and I don't have a kid. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine, if you will, a time Jared raising a seven-year-old. Oh, dear God, no. <laughs> yeah, it's for the probably for the best that we don't have that right now. Yeah, adults don't know what the fuck's going on. Nah, we're all flying by the seat of our pants, and that's okay. And it's, those that can admit it usually are the ones that keep growing. Yeah, it's not ideal. But it's okay. <laughs> Speaking of things that are okay, emails. If you want to email us, feel free to do so. SurvivorTBT at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Reddit, u slash SurvivorTBT. So, we have three emails left over from our last chunk. Starting with Josh. Josh, couple notes. Rob C. on his podcast showed how to mathematically break the mixer challenge by always asking the person on your right for an item. Huh. It definitely contributes to Jeff being surprised that people kept getting it right. Interesting. So it, it does make sense that if you're asking the person on your right for an item, they can't ask for that item. And I'm sure there's a lot more to it. Oh, because it, they're going in order down the line. Hmm. It's not randomized. Yes. Oh, I kind of thought the order was set, but kind of like random. It's, Interesting. It, it, it's so much more than that. It's It's about math, but... Giving yourself the best odds of, okay, I know that this person has this item. Someone else probably doesn't have this item for a while, mm. giving your teammate a chance. I'll have to watch the video or the interesting listen to it to break down the full the math behind it, but would would love to do that. What's funny is I like the mixer challenge in Amazon, and it's fine in All Stars for the banter. Yes. It's not a good challenge, but it literally is a mixer. So it, the way to fix it, I think, if they continue it in the future, or if they ever wanted to bring it back, is just don't make it a winner-take-all reward. Put reward items in their boxes, and whatever your team gets a pair of, you get to take home. I am fully behind the the idea that this challenge doesn't work outside of the Amazon, because they were so desperate to talk sure. to each other. <laughs> Uh, apparently Boston Rob really wanted to vote Alicia here, but Amber insisted Rob Cesternino go because Amber had the Australia connection with her. Sue had safety because apparently she is apparently a very good swimmer. Interesting. And they do bring up in this episode that Sue lays, leaves it all out there for the challenges. Mm -hmm. And that's something... We probably haven't talked enough about how good Shapira is at the challenges. I've chalked a lot of it up to having a strong leader in Boston Rob, and I do think that's true, because in these very grueling physical challenges, you need somebody that is going to be the captain. Mm. But I shouldn't discount that a lot of their individual pieces are also awesome athletes. Uh, <laughs> uh, the DVD commentary team, which I'm assuming is like one of the f the first four out here of Rudy, Tina, Jenna, and Rob Sesternino, is a lot of fun. Oh, just Rob C and Jenna trying to set up Rudy for jokes that he just gives them the most serious answer to. That's hilarious. I oh, I need to look that up. Rudy <laughs> sandbagging everyone accidentally or on purpose. Either way is it's objectively great. hilarious. It's, it's real good. 
This is probably the first person whose legacy is really hurt by All-Stars. Let's see what I don't know what episode this is. There was a couple of years after All-Stars where he wasn't thought of to be a good player. Rob Sesternino. Rob Sesternino. Yeah. That makes sense. The amount of people who mistake him for Boston Rob, despite looking nothing alike, is staggering. I think having the same name really hurts your reputation because Rob from Survivor will always be Boston Rob. That's surprising to me because he literally has the nickname of Boston Rob. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you're going to say Rob, you mean Rob Sesternino, because otherwise, why are you not just saying Boston Rob? That makes sense. Rob C. and his wife, Nicole, were considered to be on Blood versus Water, but they turned it down. Waiter, Rob C. and his future survivor friend were offered a spot on The Amazing Race, but the friend was getting married soon, so they had to turn it down. I wonder why he turned down Blood versus Water. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's tons of stuff gets in the way of you leaving and being on survivor for a month and a half also like 10 years later or whatever it is 10 15 years later yeah uh from carl carl episode four episode (laughs) this episode's a lot of fun picture the episode is hatch standing holding his uh eels oh yeah yeah what's that in the middle is that your bait says colby yeah (laughs) the timing of this it aged pretty badly (laughs) was not was not planned oh well yeah, Rob C. was never, ever, 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 ever going to get past the first tribal. <laughs> he was a mark from day one because he's such a legend and thought of so highly in Survivor Circles that everyone wanted to be the one to get him out. Mm. He had a target. Thank you for saying get him out and not get him off. I appreciate that. <laughs> There's also rumors that Boston Rob was pissed that Rob C. stole his name. <laughs> Boston Rob might be the pettiest motherfucker That's I've ever seen. So funny. <laughs> According to these rumors, Boston Rob thought he had changed the game first and hated Rob C had become a bigger legend than him. I mean, I kind of agree. Like, Boston Rob did change the game first. Just people didn't like or appreciate Marquesas, possibly because the next season was an absolute dumpster fire, and Marquesas walked so Amazon could run. Yeah. Yeah, so he wanted to take his name back. This could be why he pretends to make a deal with Rob C, knowing full well he's going to vote him off. <laughs> and he has Rob has a podcast now, but Rob C backed away from the Survivor community for four or five years after All Stars because it took he took it so hard. Oh, <laughs> that sucks. During that time, he was constantly called overrated, just like Tina. <laughs> Glad he bounced back. I agree. I think. It's so tough. If you build a reputation to the point where people are like, we need to get him out like the winners. I don't know what you do about that. I don't understand how that hurts your reputation. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how that makes you overrated when you are seen as such a threat. He is the only person that has that big of a target on his back that didn't win. Yeah. His edit is tough, though. Like, yeah. he he's made out to be whinier and not very helpful. And I mean, then also... The the strategist that needs to go. Yeah. It sucks because he floundered really hard, but that's not his fault necessarily. Mm. And on one of the other two tribes, I actually think he would have been successful. (laughs) Rob, in general, was on a mission to make certain people look bad in All-Stars, one of them being Ethan. Whether it be because he dated Amber previously or whatever, calling Mm. him pretty boy or bragging on him was an attempt to cut him down. In fact, Rob C. told his tribe how the game worked. The boxes were in sets of three. 
Just ask the person to your left for a match. Okay, so yeah, he was okay. orchestrating the asking people for a match. That probably put an even bigger target on his back when he literally comes to a challenge. He goes, "Hey guys, I figure out how to win this in my spare time." Yeah, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's just win this. The treasure hunting scene, kind of as Jared alluded to, is intentionally slanted to make Rob C look bad. Yeah. According to his post game interviews, they'd been digging up the sand for hours and dig up basically the entire stretch of sand in the process. It just happened to be that the spot that Boston Rob was. Y'all were talking earlier about who was the best pure survivor ever, and I read recently that Gretchen from Borneo had a job where she taught soldiers how to survive in the wilderness and how to withstand enemy torture. She's probably a contender. Jesus Christ. That's that's a good call. Gretchen fucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is bad ass. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, and then finally from Tyler. Tyler says Rob started Rob Has a Podcast in 2010, with Heroes vs. Villains being the first season he podcasted about. He got married that same summer, and it was to the girlfriend he had at the Survivor Amazon reunion. Oh, cool. And they have two children and live in L.A. When he first started the podcast, his wife, Nicole, was the co-host, but due to work and the kids, she had to scale back to occasional appearances. But she's still known as the F-L-O-P, or First Lady of Podcasting. <laughs> That's funny. His podcast was not only cover Survivor, but other major reality TV shows. That tracks for a lot of sure. podcasts out there. Unless you're doing this crazy, stupid thing that we do. Yeah. We only have so much to talk about. Yeah. Oh, we we have a full, a full backlog of 23 years at this point. We have a borderline decade. Yeah. Also, happy Survivor premiere week. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. You're not going to watch. I'm not. <laughs> uh, the whole he, point is to keep me pure, Stephen. Correct. He also has other people to cover even more shows and also a sister site called Post Show Recaps for both old and new scripted shows. The Talking with T-Bird podcast that has been mentioned a couple times, hosted by Teresa from Africa, is a branch of Rob Has Podcast. Interesting. Neat. So there, it's all a Survivor podcasting tree there's also this this category of podcasts and rob has a podcast one of the other ones i think of um my brother my brother and me these very very popular podcasts that started in that 2009 to 2011 mm -hmm. area it was, it was where a good time for podcasting it was very new it was an entire it was a very new thing that was kind of niche yeah and then you were there as the industry built around you yeah yeah and then we took the second wave the uh covid wave <laughs> we were even late to that wave yeah we were you were on a ship yeah oh well <laughs> he won an award rob rob c won an award for best entertainment podcast in 2013 and produced best oh and best produced best video podcast in 2014 he was asked to do the amazing race and right, yep. yep and did that yeah we talked about that his conflicted with his partner's wedding cool awesome Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, all three of our emails. A lot of good information there. Shall we? We shall. Bumper. All right, so this episode came out on March 4th of 2004. Uh, a couple things happened in the week between episodes this time. The first one being over 1 million Taiwanese citizens, I assume. It just says Taiwanese. Uh, participate in the 228 hand-in-hand -hand rally from a 500-kilometer or 300-mile 
long human chain to commemorate the 228 incident in 1947. Uh. So I looked this up because as an American, that means the incident. Yeah, anything time there's an incident, I'm interested. But as an American, I know nothing about this. So the February 28th incident, also called the February 28th massacre, or the 228 incident. That's a little more strongly worded than the incident. Sure is. <laughs> it's probably a translation thing. Or just because incident, I don't know. Anytime, I just want to die without having the incident on my Wikipedia page, you know? <laughs> Speaking of this episode. Uh, anyway, uh, the 228 incident was an anti-government uprising in Taiwan that was violently suppressed by the Republic of China national government, basically. Mm -hmm. It is one of the... Uh, most important events in Taiwan's modern history and a critical impetus for the Taiwanese independence movement. Okay. So that's becoming more and more relevant today <laughs> as China decides no Taiwan is part of China. No, this Al is mine. Although one of my favorite things about the geopolitical situation from of Taiwan and China, which again, not why you're here on a Survivor podcast, but you're getting it anyway. Martin Luther... The man who, like, broke with the Catholic Church? Yeah. Never I mean, not broke up the Catholic Church. Bro no, broke, broke from. That's why I said broke with the Catholic Church. Oh, I church. thought you said broke up. He's no. like, boom, I did it. No more church. There was, and that's that was the end of the Catholic Church. Yep. Uh, he never considered himself a Lutheran or a non-Catholic. He considered himself the one true Catholic. Taiwan doesn't consider itself, or at least originally, by now it is its own country, but before it wasn't like, no, no, no we, we are China, but we are the real China. Because the Communist Revolution, like, the leaders of China pre-Communist Revolution fled to Taiwan. We're the original China. Exactly. I yeah. think that's really cool. But anyway, the other thing that happened, voters in the U.S. state of Georgia vote on a referendum concerning its Confederacy-driven flag. So I also looked this up. So I was like, how bad could it be? And the answer is, yikes. Steven, that's the state flag, the one in the middle there. Yeah. It's literally just a Confederate flag. Yeah. <laughs> yep. George. <laughs> well, okay. Interesting that, that that came around in 2001, right? So, yes. It was, there was, uh, there's a long history of it, which I was reading when we had, when we took a pause there. Yeah. It, basically starting in like 1992, they were like, the governor was like, oh, maybe we should get rid of this. And then realized the people of Georgia don't want us to. They think the Confederacy is real cool. So it took a long time. And this is the vote that finally got them to change it to uh, what it is today, uh, which is it, it's kind of an unremarkable state flag. It is. It looks like a flag of like a small African or Asian country that you wouldn't recognize in the, like the 200 some odd flags of the UN. The only thing about it is. It kind of has had that little bit of uh, that one continuous seal over and over again yeah. all the way through. And I don't know what that seal is, so maybe that's not. It's the state seal. I guess that makes sense. You'd have that on all the flags, huh? Have you ever, like, gone and watched videos on state flags? No. There is <laughs> there is a pattern that emerges on state flags. State seal on blue flag. Okay. There's about, like... 16 to 20 different states that have state seal on blue flag. Huh. It's pretty weak. Wow. Minnesota being one of them. <laughs> but just all that to say that, remember, uh, the people that uh, think stuff like Confederacy and all that are way behind us. This wasn't that long ago. This was 2004. Yeah. I it, mean, what didn't Mississippi just change its flag 
like recently. I think Mississippi still is technically part of the Confederacy. <laughs> like, to this day, they this never is, give up. This is an ongoing battle of flags and state flags and how much of the Confederacy do we consider us? And when it's it's also wow, hell, welcome to the Survivor Podcast. <laughs> there is a these the so the South's reverence for the Confederacy was born as a direct reaction to the civil rights movement. Yeah. The the really gross Confederate flag that they had to change between 2001 2004 didn't exist prior to that. It was not the flag from 1920 until the civil rights era starts in like the mid 50s or starts to get a little bit of steam is just a normal flag. Yeah. That's why they built all the statues. It's 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 an oppression yes. It's an oppression movement. Learn your place. Yeah. It's gross. The number one song is Yeah by Usher. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how the fuck to segue that. Uh, the top five movies. I'm going to save number four because that's the one we're going to talk about. So okay. number five is Euro Trip. Number three is Twisted. I don't know that at all. Number two, 50 First Dates. Still hanging up there. But it has one-tenth of the revenue of The Passion of the Christ. Okay. No. Which on this day grossed $7 million. Gross. I know. <laughs> number four, though. Havana Nights, Dirty Dancing. Ooh, okay. Or sorry, Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights. Havana Nights. It's listed both ways, which is weird. So this is, I'm assuming, a sequel to the, was that 80s? Late 70s, early 80s dance movie starring Patrick Swayze. It's Dirty Dancing. Okay, so it's it's a prequel and a sequel. What? Okay, so it's... Because it's listed as a sequel, but this is before prequels were really a thing that were popular. So it it takes place before. Okay. So here's so the, it, it is a prequel. It is a prequel. Yes. So here's the summary. American high school student Katie, played by Romola Garay, moves with her wealthy parents to Cuba in 1958. She encounters Javier Diego Luna. A poor local who works as a waiter, and soon a relationship blo- uh, a relationship blossoms between them. At a nightclub, Javier teaches Katie the nuances of Cuban dance, which becomes her passion. As the young lovers grow closer, Fidel Castro suddenly rises to power. Holy shit. When her parents decide to flee to the United States, Katie must make a difficult choice. What do you think this is rated, Stephen? <laughs> Not great. I'm going to go 42. For both? Sure. The critic rating is 23. Okay. The audience score is 73? What? I know. Okay, so I d- hit the middle there. Power gap. Power gap. That might be the largest gap we've seen. Wow. Okay. Well, that's something, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of something, I guess, let's talk about this episode. <laughs> yeah, I've been putting it off. So, episode six, Outraged. There's a lot to talk about here. So, yes. First, I want to talk about the that isn't revolved around the incident. Sure. The debrief the next day at Moga Moga is interesting. Talk to me about the it. The three women in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheehan, Kathy, and Jerry. Yes. Dude, Sheehan is so good at this game. <laughs> what makes you say that? Because Colby thinks she's not. That's just Colby's an idiot. <laughs> and for whatever... I mean, hey, I, I kind of poked at it last episode. It's like, maybe Colby doesn't 
respect the women in this game or on his tribe as equal competitors. And hey, that comes through real strong this episode, at least about (laughs) Xi'an. Xi'an is picking up everything. She's like, wait, Kathy is dangerous. Yeah. Kathy is really good. And I'm not saying other people aren't seeing that. Maybe Xi'an's just the most... Uh, the most articulate speaker about those things. Like if she's the one that can give us, if they're all saying very similar things, but she's the one that's putting it in the most interesting to watch format. Of course, she's me getting all the screen time about it. Sure. But th- she's very Sandra esque. She's noticing everything. And she picks up on all of the subtle nuances of camp and man, she was fucking wasted on Thailand. <laughs> and I am so glad she is here. Yeah, I am. I am too. I think she is the best pick out of Thailand. Yeah. And the, the best case scenario is her being here. And Kathy kind of sees herself as a kingmaker a little bit. Mm. And she kind of was this episode. She's like, I made the decision to get rid of Rich. And also, thank God she made that decision. The thing I said last episode about, like, hey, maybe that made the women in the tribe uncomfortable seems to have been wrong. It also would appear, we'll get way into it, it appears that Moga Moga didn't see it very well from both what we pieced together in the episode and what Sue says. That That is true. So it would be hard for them to be upset about something that they didn't even realize had happened. Yeah. Or at least didn't realize the extent of what had happened. It, to me... To me just looking at that scene, it looks like Hatch's back is to the Mogamoga tribe. Yeah. And so it's pretty screened. Yeah. But yeah, so that's all that to say, man, I I love Kathy. I love Xi'an. Mogamoga is a great tribe to watch. Both these tribes are great tribes to watch. Yeah. Let me get back to that take at the end of this episode. Oh, well, okay. The game player. <laughs> That's Kathy. fair. That's Kathy fair. has some real gross. Op- we're, we'll go through people's opinions on the incident. And yes. Kathy's is one of the worst takes. I think you have a good idea, though. Let's do the all non-incident related stuff Great. first, and then we'll come back to the incident. <laughs> there it is, the incident. Um, so... Yeah, we're talking about that big scramble with the ladies. It's it's a great conversation how Kathy is the one who made that decision, essentially. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Do you think that was, incident aside, mm-hmm. for the game, pretend the incident never happened. Yeah. Hard to do, but pretend. Is that the right decision, to get rid of Hatch instead of Colby? I'm not going to answer that knowing what I know. Because for, okay. for, like, numbers-wise... It it's putting the the ladies in a point that they could have gone with Hatch, yeah. Versus they could have gone with other like other portions of what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, right now Lex seems to be trying to align himself with the mm-hmm. with the three women. Um, Colby's burned that bridge, at least with Sheehan. It mm-hmm. sounds like. I mean, Sheehan's smart, and Sheehan is adaptable, and Sheehan is not going to take it. I mean, she's going to take it personally, but. She's not going to take it so personally that she won't work with Colby if it benefits her. Right. Yeah, I I, I think without the incident, that's still the right decision. Okay. Because Hatch is so dangerous. I, I see what you're saying, and I agree. Yeah. I think he, he needed to go. Whether yeah. you got him out there or you got him out at a different point, he needed to go. And I've criticized people in previous seasons of like, why are you letting the most dangerous person hang, hang around camp? Yeah. 
And they didn't for food. Well, yeah, that is that is something to be considered, actually. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, at Shapira, Rupert is doing what Rupert does, and it's fish. It's fish. It's fish. And <laughs> my job is just fish. My job is fish. <laughs> it, it's really interesting here, because then Boston Rob is taking analysis of what's going on here. And while he's doing it, Boston Rob is cracking jokes like Grizzly Adams out here thinking he's a big man. Yeah. But then afterward, when he's bringing back the fish, he's like, great. I love that he's bringing me fish. Continue to feed me. He's so fucking cocky. Oh, God, yeah. He's so cocky. It's He's showboating for us. And I love these kind of players. <laughs> Showboat to the camera. Because he's not doing it to the tribe. No. Let it all out for, on the confessionals. I decide when he goes home. So he better keep my belly full. <laughs> Although I will say, I still think Boston Rob wins this season. But man, I want to see that fall from grace. Yeah. <laughs> At Mogo Mogo, we have the Sheehan Colby conversation. Where <laughs> Colby is essentially laying it out to Sheehan that I don't respect how you play your game. Is Colby the worst person <laughs> left on All-Stars? Like, the the worst at the game. Uh, I don't maybe? think so. I, think he's, I don't think so. He's pretty low. Like, the only people yeah. right now I'd put below him are Big Tom. <laughs> maybe yeah. Jenna. We haven't really got to see a lot from her. She's kind of been dealt a bad hand. <laughs> like, all of Saboga sure. did not mesh well together. Yeah. And she's getting played by Boston Rob. <laughs> she's getting played by everybody. She's getting played by everybody. And... That's probably the list of people that I think are, like, the worst at this game that are still in it. Like, and Colby is the third. Yeah, I don't want to dance around, like, who I think is is really showing their ass right now. But I think Tom being <laughs> the big one is yes. yeah, probably correct. Um, Tom is not a serious game player. Yeah. So, there's that. And he, Colby is essentially just laying it out and saying you you're not you're not making any moves, and I don't respect that. And Sheehan, being a little more level headed, isn't like you fuck you. I don't respect your game either. She tells us that, yeah, because Sheehan's smart, yeah, and Colby's an idiot. <laughs> I I see what Colby is saying, and I see that he. He's like, hey, I'm the one who put my ass on the line for that move last night. Like, can you other people also put your ass on the line or help me out? But he does it in the worst way possible. He, he like, he makes fun of her game or not makes fun of. He, he puts her down for yeah. her game. Yeah. What? Okay, yeah, you made a move, but now you're playing the victim for deciding to make a move. And... You didn't you didn't collaborate with your tribe. At best you collaborated with Lex and then told Lex to go tell the women what to do. <laughs> tell the ladies. And then you get mad at Sheehan for doing what you told her to do. <laughs> I it's, it's it's totally bizarre because even if you feel that way, which kind of stupid, what advantage do you get by telling her this? Uh, nothing unless you're trying to like egg her into making big moves. What it says to me is a lack of respect. 
like you don't respect that Sheehan has the capability to be a threat. So you have no problem browbeating her into line. Do you think this conversation would not have happened had Colby seen the end of Pearl Islands? I don't know. I don't I think it still would have. Okay. This is because Sandra did a lot of the things that he's railing against. That's true, and that is very funny. And won the game. Yes. But even then, I think Colby would just say, and I don't respect that, which is stupid. Think about, okay, I'm going to compare it to, to Johnny Fairplay real quick, because Johnny Fairplay has that episode where he's talking like, ah, the women couldn't make a move if they tried. Dumb, kind of gross playing, but he's like, he's playing, I mean, the, heel. He's yeah. playing the heel, he's leaning into being the heel, he told us that. Yeah. But he didn't tell them that. No. He didn't go back to camp and go, Sandra, you're so stupid, you couldn't make a move to save your life. <laughs> Because why the fuck would you? No, that that would not work for you. That that adds no benefit and just shows your ass. And at best, you've burned one bridge. Yeah. At worst, you've now given her something to tell other people about why you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a small scene that just Colby is so over his head. He's so in over his head, which is funny because all the other Australia people have really stepped up their games. <laughs> Colby, not so much. Yeah. Well, Colby, I mean, essentially won. He thinks he doesn't have to change anything. But he didn't win. You know, right? That's, <laughs> does, that do be a problem. And I think I complimented him for for somehow dodging the... The draft? Second, <laughs> yeah. The second place non-winners winners curse when you're that close to winning mm -hmm. but maybe people just don't take him seriously <laughs> oh we'll find out we'll find out so other things that happened lex goes to be the new fish economy in mogamogo yes he but he talks to us beforehand he's like i didn't want to do this i didn't want to be looked at as the fisherman but now that hatch is gone i might have to but then he goes out and he takes the spear and he's he's good at this. Yeah. He he says he didn't feel like letting them know that I'm accomplished fisherman. It's it's a weird thing to do and this is something that I think just was born out of necessity rather than strategy where his strategy going was like, "Oh cool, I'm on a tribe with Hatch. I'm going to let him do that. I'm going to let mm -hmm. him take the aggro for that, I guess, be the shield, but like if you're the provider, that's good. Yeah. He also didn't want to ruffle feathers. Sure. And yes, that is the that is the primary thing. Yeah. It it is it does I think make the rest of the tribe a little suspicious of you when you haven't mentioned in 16 days that you can fish or tried to fish and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you're amazing at it. They're like, "Wait, so what else isn't he telling us?" It, it, yeah, and I don't remember who says it. Someone like does have that conversation yes. with us and yeah he he's doing what hatch did on day one where he's like i could start that fire but he's showing us that he can do the fishing yeah he didn't have to hide a spear up his ass though <laughs> allegedly <laughs> allegedly ow <laughs> it's like the sword swallowers but a different the, the other direction <laughs> okay well uh that happens 
Uh, and also at Mogo Mogo, while what prompted this was Jerry was making a food list, and oh my god! <laughs> okay, well, I, I spoke too soon. I said all the Australian people are playing better games, and Jerry is playing a slightly better game. But Jerry, shut the fuck up with the food thing. You didn't learn anything from Australia about that. It was pretty funny. Nobody likes this. Nobody likes it. But the conversations lead there eventually. Kathy is the one who kind of rails against it, and she's like, oh, please, it's too early for this. We see in the next time on, too, that she's like, she's starting to drive people a little (laughs) crazy. Oh, Hatch, how I miss you, says Sheehan. And then we go into the fishing scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And again, that is pre-incident. It's pre-incident. And then at Shapira, Amber and Boston Rob are approaching their two new tribes mates, Rupert and Jenna, to be like, hey... We're kind of outcasts here. They're not. No, of course they're not. How do Rupert and Jenna fall for this? Do Do you think they're falling for it? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. I agree. But, and I, I will say, to their credit, to, to Boston Rob and Amber's credit, this is the Vibe Tribe. <laughs> this is the Vibe Tribe. This is the Vibe Tribe. So, like, even, like, it doesn't matter what's going on. They try to stay in good spirits. Yeah. They try to have a good time, and it is easier to believe that they are the outcasts in that tribe because everyone is trying to get along, and they're basically like, hey, strategy-wise, we're outcasts, mm-hmm. though. A little more believable because everybody is so social. Sure. This is a dangerous game that they are playing by having alliances with everybody. Yes. Wait a minute. Is Boston Rob just doing the chain <laughs> is he just stealing Rob Sestrinino's move? I don't know that I would call it the chain because he he's addressing both of them. Yeah, and not being like, "Hey, we're making moves. I tell you what to do, and you tell other people what to do." Sure. The chain technically was not Rob Sestrinino's move. The chain was Matt's move. move. Well, but it was it was Rob keeping Matt. In his back pocket yeah. and like keeping him happy and yeah. Yeah. That he's he's doing a, a pretend side alliance again. Yeah. I mean genius. I it, I said it was dangerous. It is dangerous. If you get caught, you're fucked. Yeah. He's but. setting it up where he is in the middle when when and if things break down. Yeah. If you need to start picking a sides, he has options. I mean they both do. Amber's also involved in this. Yeah. Amber, I've feel like was a little more involved in that than it the edit made us to believe amber is actually playing the best game of anybody Ooh, talk to me about that she is her and boston rob make each other so much better and from what i can read of their interactions Mm -hmm. she is the brains behind the operation Mm. she is the one that is managing social connections she is the one that i mean we said at the top of the episode she's the one that goes after rob c because she's like no he's the one that he's dangerous he needs to go boston rob is power and direction Mm -hmm. amber is pointing him or he is he is power and intensity and he's always going to go after his target amber's the one aiming him they they cover each other's weaknesses pretty well here. Yeah. And I it it shows like with both of their seasons prior, they both fell into these holes of Rob pushed too hard yep. and he got kicked out because of that and Amber didn't really do enough 
like strategy wise or just being like the forefront of the conversation and didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. Together, they're this weird mismatch of that we have all the bases covered. If they work in tandem, it seems to be working. It's the best group of two, like the best partnership we have seen thus far Mm -hmm. in all eight seasons. Hands down. I agree. All right. That's kind of it before the incident. That's the non-incident. That's the non-incident. Let's talk about the incident. (sighs) Yeah. What you've had a day to kind of like think it over. You watched the episode last night. So yeah. So, so it's, it's funny having, uh, my, (laughs) my figurative ass shown so quickly, literally a day later. I mean, I don't like which comments specifically are you talking about? I don't remember to be perfectly honest. Once the words leave my mouth, they are gone to me. That's fair. The, the thing that I did not realize, and I don't, I don't think there was a way to necessarily realize it was how big of a deal this was. And before you keep going, I think the reason that you don't realize that is the post challenge reaction. Yeah. Cause they, they talk about it. They jest about it. She's like, that was disgusting, but then they kind of like go about their day. Yes. And that is, that is the thing with trauma. Right. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of dialogue in this episode of people being like, well, I think I don't remember who it was, but it was like she should she should have said she should have called foul and like you know that was could Rupert have, Rupert could have been could have made a deal of it at the time. That's not how trauma is not input output. Like it sometimes it takes you time to process things. Sue had a horrible horrible night of feeling, and I didn't even realize that he had made contact fully. Like I like from the camera angle we get, and especially because it's blurred out, like I was like, Oh, it's like shimmying past. It's gross. It's assault. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize like how visceral it was. Like when she, when she recounts it to us of like being able to like feel him up Mm -hmm. on her, like that, that hits different, man. Mm -hmm. That is disgusting. And since they had a, like, I think part of the reason it doesn't seem like as big of a deal in the episode prior is because of their longstanding relationship. Like, I don't think that they necessarily like each other, but they have a full season of living together. They know each other incredibly well. Yeah. But that being said, or fucking Sue, man. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to... And one more thing. Yeah. Shame on... We will name and shame as we go. Shame on everyone that questioned her motives. Yeah. Sue is the... From what I gather from watching TV this season and season one, Sue Sue is somebody that bottles up emotions until she can't. (laughs) She's a little volatile. So... Uh, there's some comments about like, oh, she said she's she's going to sue him for $10 million or whatever. Yeah, she's hyperbolic. That's yeah. like, and she's angry and she's upset and mm-hmm. she's been assaulted. Mm-hmm. Not everything she says she's going to mean. Yeah. That's the kind of person that Sue has always been. I mean, this is the woman that, that got voted off and then said, if you were drowning or if you were dying <laughs> parched on the side of the road, I, I would not. I, I would, would not give you water. I would not give you water. Like she talks in big, grandiose statements. Yes. That doesn't mean you get to discount her experience. Yeah. 
other so, contestants 20 years ago. For what what you just spoke about, I want to provide a little bit of context, and it's going to sound bad, but then I'm going to bring it back around. Okay. There is differing accounts from people who were there and from people who witnessed what was going on of was there contact, was there not contact? But for me, I don't think that matters. I don't think it matters either. If 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 the if the if the assault was such that she could even imagine it, mm-hmm. like it was close enough of a scare that she's imagining her someone else's genitalia rubbing all over her because of that close of a proximity, mm-hmm. that's enough. There was there was intent and spoken intent of hey here do whatever i forget what he said exactly but still there was mind activation saying i intend to have you bring attention to my genitalia yeah, that yeah, is right next to you it wasn't like he was just trying to shimmy past her and also like keep your fucking pants on anyway yeah the and i was gonna say this for afterward the hatch talks about in an interview that Sue leaves, or however the challenge was made, that Sue had gone past and came back for whatever reason. And I also, I don't think that's true from piecing together I don't all the puzzles. That, and I don't really care. <laughs> I, I don't think Survivor would show that, but it, again, it doesn't really matter. No matter what position she puts herself in, it does not give you a reason to do to that. Rub your dick on her. Yeah. Uh, this is so hard to talk about. Um, no, you're you're providing what he said. Like yes. you're not defending him. You're you're saying no. Oh no, his I'm account is definitely not defending because him. unlike Thailand, we don't get to see what Richard's reaction is to this. Mm-hmm. We see in in Thailand, we see Ted's, and it's disgusting. Yeah, but Richard's gone. Yes. So all all in all, d- him trying to reaccount the situation. It seems to be all of it. He's trying to deflect blame. It's, yeah. it's a little bit victim blaming, and I, I, Gross. I'm digging through all the articles that I did this morning. It's I don't like any of it really. Sure. We'll talk about where it stands once we're all through this. But okay. I wanted to give some context on that. Get your mind flowing. <clears throat> we all in all, Sue graces us with the. I barely slept last night. Every time I slept, I imagined his, like, I could feel his his junk on me, essentially, is what she said. What I don't understand from the people on her tribe that don't, that aren't giving her the full belief, Mm -hmm. how can you watch her, the woman that you've lived with with this many days, Mm -hmm. that, sure, she's... She's sometimes been hard to live with. She's sometimes been volatile. She's sometimes done stupid things like drink the water when everyone said not to. But this is not the same woman. This is she is not acting like herself. Mm-hmm. And how can you believe for a moment that it is that this is an act? How do you how how can you like do the mental gymnastics to go, oh, she's faking this for sympathy? Mm-hmm. And the only the only thing that would ever I, I hope that it never happens. I hope that nobody ever uh that nobody ever tries to use an incident or like a a small this is not a small incident, but no. nobody tries to use like an incidental incident to their advantage. That would be horrible. It did make me immediately think of the dead grandma lie. And it was like, 
I think that's a line, like, I don't think that's a line that Johnny Fairplay would cross to, like, use something, like, if Richard had rubbed against him to use it, I don't think that's who he is. Um, if it had been, like, something small, inci- actually had been incidental. Mm-hmm. I hope that's a line that everyone on Survivor would draw not to cross. But this is that, this is, this is the caveat of the dead grandma lie where I was like, this is dangerous. Yeah. Because now people are questioning people's motives for when they're actually distraught. Yeah. So before we get into people's takes and reactions, I I want to put blame on someone that really isn't taking the blame here. It's production. Oh, yes. 100%. From the moment that they let Hatch be naked in these challenges, they open themselves up to a can of worms. Yep. Had he been clothed in doing that, it's still like inappropriate, but it's not as it's not they're not liable. It's for it. not a crime. <laughs> sure. Um and I and thinking back on it, I don't blame Jeff in the moment mm-hmm. of the challenge. Mm-hmm. Because Sue even in her in her reaction at the reward challenge says, You couldn't see it, Jeff. Yes. And it's fast and whatever. But production should have never first of all like you said wear your pants you shouldn't be in a position to have this happen that's the lowest hanging fruit afterwards you've seen it you see sue's reaction and clearly they tell jeff what's going on because when they get to the reward challenge like that is not a normal way to start a reward challenge no no and he's he's definitely fed information and we'll get to that in a hot second um the land of hot takes so many bad bad hot takes so many bad hot takes back to back um all from like the shapiro tribe kind of like just one after another gives us bad takes before we get into bad takes i want to highlight someone that had good takes alicia alicia is the shining star of this episode alicia never falters she is on Sue's side, she is, um, she has comments about like, this hurts the team. And I think those are fair comments to have. Mm-hmm. It does. Objectively, it does. Yes. But she does it without casting blame. Mm-hmm. She does it in the way that goes, yeah, this does suck for the team. Sue is valuable and we are losing her. Yeah. But that is not her fault. Correct. And good on you, Alicia. Yeah. Alicia is my hero in this episode. Yep. Just like all in all. Does a great job. Boston Rob. Which I'm just going to go right down the bad takes. Boston Rob, yeah. she's either trying to get some money out of this, she's actually emotionally upset about it, or she's trying to use this as a tool in the game. And that that was the line that she's trying to use a tool in the game that made me think of the dead grandma lie and mm-hmm. go, shit, that is that is the 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 one danger. I've come back, I've come on you and Carl's side. I think it's fair. I think it's I think it's an interesting thing to do, but this is the danger. Yes. I, information information can be used in, in so many ways, yeah. but it it's very clear that she's not getting the support in this of, right. well, you darn had a, a, a bad thing happen to you. Sucks to suck. At least Boston Rob, I would say of the bad takes, I think Boston Rob has, has the best of the bad takes, <laughs> which isn't a good thing to have, but it's better than some of the other ones yeah followed uh, he follows up with like and i don't really know it's not really my business yeah that's the bare minimum yeah followed by amber i think if we were in another situation it might not have been as big of a deal as it turned out to be so 
I don't know. All of Amber's takes during this, I, I really, for whatever reason, Amber saying all of the, that's, eh, I think she's overreacting, seemed to hit me the hardest. Yeah, and I don't know why. I, I maybe it's just, it's how she was fil- like she was filmed clearly saying, being asked about all these things yeah. after she had already left. Yeah. But Amber's saying all these things with a smile. Yeah. I mean... It's the posturing that really threw me off here. Yeah. I'm not going to be too hard on her for for that because you don't in difficult conversations i'm not gonna i'm not gonna judge somebody for how their face reacts sure, i sure. know some people laugh when they're uncomfortable all that kind of stuff but her it it does have this attitude of i like her putting herself in that circumstance and going well that's not such a big deal for me yeah. i don't know why it is for her and it's hard for you and i to talk about because we're not women yeah we we can't accurately put ourselves one-to-one in sue's shoes but amber thinks she can and i don't think she can yeah and she tries to and it doesn't it's not the best look yeah followed by rupert sue could have handled it differently she thinks about it and comes up with her own agenda bad fucking look rupert bad take rupert yeah so rupert's essentially saying that like She's overreacting. She's overreacting, and then she takes a moment, thinks about it, and wants to use it for financial gain. The most generous interpretation of what I can pull from Rupert saying is that she's spiraling. That's the most generous, and I don't generous. Even, and I don't even think accurate. Yeah, and it's still bad. <laughs> yeah. And then Alicia and Tom start to have a conversation on the beach, and Alicia's essentially explaining how this is like why this is affecting her so much yeah and once again coming to the rescue like i can't possibly know what she's feeling i am not her and then tom being like i see what you're saying i can't possibly know but i feel like she might be blowing it out meaning out of proportion and once again incredible props to alicia for navigating that being navigating that conversation with tom who's probably the worst of the offenders on the tribe Mm -hmm. she knows that yeah like as far like she knows that he's gonna be the one that is that is the grossest about it and not putting herself in a spot where it can blow up her game because it is still a game yeah sue sue leaves this episode but there is still another 20 days and one person will win a million dollars and similar to helen in thailand she still want, Alicia still wants to win a million dollars, and production fucked them all over. Yeah, the, I, all the people that are trying to to help the victims, but Alicia does a really good job here. Yeah, I do want to give her credit for both here and after she had left when people were celebrating and like doing dances that she doesn't blow up on them. Yep, she talks to us. She says just this isn't right yeah and then she excludes herself from the celebratory dances yeah she she for as volatile as i think she's painted to be in survivor she has a really good head on her shoulders well and and as volatile as she's painted herself out to be she told us in episode one that her weakness is when people get in her skin she blows up yeah but when the stakes are high enough 
what I think the difference is, is Survivor is a competition and Alicia is a competitor. And if you get under her skin in a competition, she escalates. Yeah. But this is real life. Yeah. This is a million dollars is obviously high stakes, but uh, Alicia takes Sue's incident or Rich's incident on Sue with the stakes it deserves. So we see Sue kind of really start to fall apart halfway through this episode Yeah, where she shuts down. She doesn't want to eat. She doesn't want to really talk to people. She's crying on the beach, just like laying face up bawling. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so hard to watch. Yep. Cause this is, this is as bad as we've seen so far. I mean, the, the Thailand incident is bad, and we see the repercussions from that. Yeah. This, the difference is Gandia is much, I mean, she's angry. Yeah. But she's much more stoic. Yeah. Sue, and this should have never happened to anybody. Nope. For the sake of social dialogue and for the future of the show, Sue is the person that helps, I think, with that. Because she is somebody that's going to... She, she's not going to hide the trauma. Yeah. She can't. And I want to walk that back. I think they're both... Both incidents are horrible, horrible things. Sue had the power to walk away from this. And I yeah. don't think that Gandia did. Yeah, I would, I would... I mean, it helps that Jenna has already left the show. Yes. And I did not think Sue was going to leave. I knew something was weird with the episode mm -hmm. because... Because we spent a lot of time on not a whole lot. We spent a lot of time before we got to the first challenge. Yes. And I thought the show was going to kick her off. Because I, 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 they teased the explosion. Yes. And I was like, what? Because Sue's such a firebrand. Yeah. She, she'll fist fight anybody. <laughs> like, this is the woman that got up in front of millions of people and, like reamed kelly wigglesworth for the simple act of voting her out like i thought she was gonna like be much more volatile at production mm -hmm. and rather than walk away they were to be like okay cool you gotta go i mean she kind of was let's let's jump to the the challenge yeah, portion yeah. oh the only thing i want to say is uh big tom's confessional is gross yeah. I wrote down, I was like, I didn't expect anything different from you, Tom. Nope. <laughs> so we get to production or to the challenge, the reward challenge. And you're right. Jeff kind of like says, hey, I want to get this right. I want to I want to say exactly what he said. I want to address something that happened yesterday. Richard Hatch kind of being inappropriate. And then that's all we needed from from Jeff. Does he. Does, so one thing I, I couldn't remember was, did he say. Kind of, or did... Because I know Sue said, kind of. He did. Okay. He did. Okay. He. I wrote down that word for word because that is important. Because yeah. Sue jumps on that and is like, yeah. no, it wasn't kind of it, Jeff. It wasn't... It wasn't sort of Jeff. Yeah. And this is what I mean by... What I, when I say... It, don't hear what I'm not saying. Like I, I said, this should, this should have never happened to anybody. Mm -hmm. But Sue is strong enough and vulnerable enough to confront production about this in a way that they cannot bury. Yes. That they have to address mm -hmm. and that makes them look fucking bad. Yes. And that 
Sue is a good messenger for that, to shame them. And, and it's what they needed. And and what they deserved. Yes. And I'm hoping that this is the the turnaround that helps Survivor fix its problems. I mean, Jeff looks devastated. Yeah, well, he should be. He should be. He's being called out. I mean, th- I'm going to put this on production because I'm, I'm sure Jeff was put in a spot where he was like, okay, we've heard that Sue is really having a, huff, a rough time. Like, talk about that pre-challenge. And yes. And I don't, I, we can't, we can't blame Jeff for this type of stuff yet because he doesn't, as we learned from Johnny Fairplay, he doesn't have decision-making power. No. Night. What well, he tries to, but. He has input, but yeah. he does not have power. Yeah. We don't know, but we don't know how much he was able to control of the situation. But, but the producers and production absolutely failed everyone on this. They should have had a prepared statement. They should have said, this is what was going to happen even if they don't tell that to us, like yeah. we were going to review it and have him leave, but you guys did it for us. Even if that's not true. Yeah. To to protect your game, you, you needed to do that. Yeah. But he comes up with this kind of like weak worded. This, it's this weird thing that when stuff happens, he wants to turn it into like an open dialogue forum. Yes. It like. I don't give a shit what everyone's opinion is on Jenna's mom's cancer. <laughs> I don't give a shit what everyone's opinion is on Hatch assaulting Sue. Yep. Like, they, it's not, they're, it's, they, they are not equals in this situation. It does not involve them. It is none of their business. Yeah. Except to support. So she, she rips him a new one, and deservedly so. Yeah. He, I was sexually violated. He crossed a line. Uh, I was humi- violated, humiliated, dehumanized, and totally spent. Jeff, yes, and all of that is true. And I am, sh- I am bracing for what you tell me the impact wasn't, or what the uh, what the tabloids and the survivor community thought of this in two thousand four. Because I do not think a, a a Sue who was a controversial contestant mm-hmm. having this type of explosion about an incident that you if you are not in the right mindset you could downplay yeah and yelling at jeff who i assume is probably pretty loved at this point in the show during all stars and then quitting was viewed in a positive light i think it shamed production so they had to look inwards Uh but once it was on tv i cannot imagine that the public was on sue's side unfortunately yeah so so sue leaves and and you, what I, a power you can kind of yeah what they, a power move big they, power move dude that is good for her and i damn so you can kind of see where the hat is tipped by how production reacted and showing us what they showed post her leaving because one we played the reward challenge yeah despite <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let's let's briefly talk about that because they put it like, "Hey, we well, can either play for all of this reward, or we can just split it up and have a conversation about this." I want to I want to do one more. I want to give one more kudos. Okay, Sheehan. Okay, once Sue uh, explodes, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, Sheehan is immediately like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. We didn't know. Yeah, we didn't see. Yeah." Are you okay? Like, though, like that is all that is on her mind. 
good for you, Sheehan. Good, good for Sheehan. And I also want to throw Jenna Lewis in there too. Yes, uh, Jenna Lewis is the only one who is like, hey, this is bigger than the game. Let's like, let's just not do a challenge here let's talk about this and she clearly wasn't in a great headspace because she wasn't doing that challenge very well no and that's the reason why they ended up losing that challenge so i i don't know it's i would love to have a conversation with jenna lewis about that yeah a post challenge after i mean we did the stomping things into the basket challenge whatever i i was focused on other things at that point right yeah um it's a weird tonal shift it is a weird tonal shift they're just like all right cool we're back in the game and moga moga wins and they win a bunch of food oh the one thing i did want to point out from jeff's questions of sue Mm -hmm. they're doing some jeff's doing some legal liability covering his ass because he asks, does this affect things outside of the game? Which, for me, is code for, are you going to sue us? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and she says no. She says no, I I just want to go home. I want to go, yeah, I want to be done with this. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that, like, clearly they did not, clearly they are afraid of Sue. Production at this point is afraid of Sue, and they should be. They should be. Yeah, so we we then we go home. We spend time with Mogamogo, where Ethan breaks his vegetarianism for the food. Cool, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Sheehan breaks down the complicated emotions of the situation and does a very good job, like you said. Yeah, and then we cut to Kathy having the worst takes of. <laughs> anything here kathy being like that was hard for all of us to hear i don't like her for it i'm sorry you have to learn to contain your emotions i was really offended that she would bring us that far into her core of hatred this is one of the worst takes this is the worst take i have seen on the on all eight seasons yeah this is upsetting yeah it's it, it's bad. It's real bad. And time-wise, I, I don't want to just, like, keep dogging these people. No. They, they they all fucked up. And I'm sure she knows that. I'm sure she looks back and is embarrassed of that. Yeah. I will say, if I had a nickel for every Survivor season with a sexual assault and Sheehan being on the season, I'd have two nickels, <laughs> which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. That is weird that it is Sheehan both. <laughs> I mean, you have somebody on every season, but still. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> at Shapira, Rob and Rupert talk about it a little bit. I, I want to stop you real quick. Could, please Can do. Can you imagine if they had voted off Colby and Hatchet showed up to that challenge? Because remember, that was a possibility in Sue's mind. She did not know that Hatch was not going to be there. No. In in a weird way, it almost would have been better. I feel free to disagree with me here. It depends on how production handled it. Yes. If, because like, let's let's play it out in hypotheticals. Mm -hmm. Sue decides to leave. Mm -hmm. Do they let Hatch stay? I don't know. Because that would be bad. That would be bad. That'd be really bad. Absolutely. If they kick Hatch off, maybe it's better. Maybe, maybe Sue doesn't react. Like, maybe she doesn't explode if Hatch is there. Maybe... (laughs) she's able to confront him and gets closure. It's the different ways that branches out are 
interesting. Yeah. I unfortunately, I don't see a world in which Survivor production sends Ridge home. Yeah. I think they have too much invested in this man who is your Survivor god <laughs> at this point yeah. to just send him home unceremoniously. I will also say, if you had told me at the beginning of All Stars that there was a, a sexual assault... These are not the two I would have thought it would have involved. Yeah. I I would never have predicted that in a million years. Yeah. So just a, lo- a lot to compress there. And it's not important, but I did, I did realize this episode that Jenna and Ethan, Jenna that went home, mom, uh, Jenna, Amazon Jenna. Yep. And Ethan missed each other by like a day of being on the same tribe together. Mm, and then yeah. they date for like 10 years and it's just, yeah. I just like, "Oh, that that's huh. <laughs> that's fine. If 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 Jenna's mom had been in better health, that could have been interesting." Yeah. Yeah. So, minor conversation. Rob asks Rupert, "Do you think Sue was influenced to do this?" As in like, who? I'm assuming he thinks like a cameraman or production was like, "Hey, you could go sue him for millions of dollars for this." Yeah, maybe. And Rupert says, by her own greed when she said i'm suing him for 10 million dollars and we talked about that like i probably hyperbole no she feels violated and she wants to get back at him she's angry sue gave them a hell of a gift and then we we end the episode with the bonding of the shapira six yeah and i do understand the 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 Sue gave them a hell of a gift because Rob is Rob understands reality TV like nobody else mm-hmm. on this season. He's basically saying that's going to get ratings. And I bet it does. Yeah. Unfortunately. And I'll, I'll end. We, we know about the Tom doing his full dance that Sue's the gone. Suit. Spelling, Fuck off, Tom. Yeah. The Sue's gone dance. Alicia frustrated that Amber says we're happy. We're a happy tribe. And somehow we we'll always find a way to laugh about it. I don't know that this deserved a laugh about it. Sorry. Yeah, I, I understand. You, you needed a way to bring the spirits back up. And this is the next day. Mm-hmm. She said our lows are, you know, we have our lows. I don't know. A, a full 24 hours later when production has kind of failed you on this. Yeah. Obviously, like, the Sue is gone dance is disgusting. It's It's bad. But trying to find a bright spot trying to get your like eventually you do have to if you're going to continue with the game mm-hmm. you do you can't dwell on it is it done the most appropriate fashion no but i do understand the intent behind amber's statements <laughs> yeah tom can go to hell yeah um i i i i'm going to jump to what we find post and again we're we're over on time so i there's a lot to talk about there's a lot to talk about feel free to send some stuff in i know for a fact that audience reaction was not good to this yeah like it did not do her any favors and there was i'm assuming some meddling on cbs's side to kind of tone this down and to let it go because they ended up doing the morning show together, like the CBS morning show. Rich and Sue? The next day after this episode aired. Whoa. So I mean, that's months and months later. It is. It's a long, like, a long time later. Apparently, they were like brought into conversation that there was a lawsuit possibly for Sue going after Hatch or going after CBS. And... 
it probably was settled out of yeah. public eye. I'm assuming she got something for that to happen because they they talk about how um they have their differences. We've agreed to move past this and neither one wants to admit what I shouldn't say this. Hatch doesn't want to admit that he was in the wrong. Yeah. So I'm assuming CBS gave some money to say, hey, NDA here. Exactly. Yep. You, you at this point, like you can't come after him or us anymore. Yeah, you have to you have to do this morning show and say it's behind you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. And yes, people there's so much branching beyond this. And there there is a big thing later on that is influenced by this. Like we won't see for a decade after this, but this sets the tone for how Survivor fucked up and they need to do better in the future. Good. Yes. If that's the one good that comes out of this. Okay. Yes. Anything else you want to talk about? No, man, it's hard. Like, I mean, I listen before the incident, Sue's not my favorite person ever played Survivor. No. I, in in Borneo, she was interesting because she was someone that was willing to speak her mind. But do I think she's particularly good at the game of Survivor? Not necessarily. Mm. I, I think that she's a little combative. I think that she, she's the type of person that, like, in my life, I would have a hard time being around. Makes for good TV, though. It does make good for good TV. But that doesn't mean that she did anything wrong. Or deserved any of this, or yeah, it doesn't mean that we have to dehumanize her in how we did in this episode. Exactly. And do I think Hatch was trying to like assault her? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you weren't trying to. You you took it too far. Yeah, and you have to own that. Sorry, here's the line I was looking for uh, off of her Survivor Wiki. She stated she opted out of legal action because CBS had helped her deal with the situation. Deal with the situation in quotation marks. Yeah, that's with that's money. Money. Yeah. It's 100% money. Yeah. So, all in all, I'm, I'm sick of talking about this. Yeah, I mean, it's an important conversation, but like... <laughs> It's not something we should skim past. Mm-hmm. It's something that we should take the time to talk about. It's also like next episode outside of like, you know, comments I might make about the show being um, shitty about stuff like this. I'm excited to get back to the actual game, especially because it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, before we go, I, if you want to go look up the there's a heavy article interviewing Hatch about why he wasn't on Winners at War. And it it ties directly back into this. I I don't like what's said in the article, but if you want more context, and that's why I don't really address it here. Interesting to go see because it connects both with this and the incident that we talk about. That that kind of brings it back to the public forefront of mm. this old thing, and that's why he's not brought back to Winners at War. I'm sure it also probably was partially tax evasion. That too. <laughs> I mean distance yourself from that yeah it is a shame though because as much as that hash went too far i i mean sheehan says something similar too like sheehan's basically like i don't think he was trying to make her feel that way again your intent doesn't really matter but i think 15 20 years later if he's apologized you can bring him for winners at war yeah 
I I don't know. I I appreciate that they distance himself from Hatch. Yeah. I think it, it's a good move. And I know, I know, like, people's feelings are probably going to be hurt if people actually listen to this show, but... It's mixed and it's complicated. It is. It's messy. Yeah. Bumper. That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Thank you for once again getting through this episode with us. It's it's these are hard to talk about because we like we like the funny, we like the goofy, but these things need to be said too. It's crazy to me that All Stars has had two people leave. Yeah, when bef- they have had twice as many people leave as the first seven seasons combined, mm-hmm. and for both for good reasons, good valid reasons. That is not undercutting it. It's just like. And I, that actually probably is part, part of the power of playing again, is that you're like, oh, wait, my life is more important than this game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leaving. I will spoil this. There are no more people who walk away from this, this season. Thank God. We're, we're done with that. Thank God, because the only reason to leave is because something bad happens. Yes. Correct. I don't want bad things to happen to people. We're, we're done with the bad things. Anything you'd like to promote? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I would like to promote knowing how far to take a bit like listen i i love a good bit don't rub your dick on people for the bit yeah yeah keep your pants on for the bit i agree Uh, because like i said i think hatch was trying to get under her skin and do a bit but you got to know where the fucking line is dude yeah Mm. uh i'm gonna i'm gonna promote Mental health hotlines. Like if you mm-hmm. if you yeah. need help, uh, nine eight eight is the mental health hotline uh, sponsored by the government. I know there are other ones out there, crisis hotlines. If if you're ever in trouble, please ask for help. Like I'm not saying that that is connected to this episode, but I think it's anytime it's, we talk about hard stuff, it's a good thing to remember. It's a tough topic out there, so yeah, get get help. People love you. I swear. Yeah. For my co-host Jared, this is Steven. For my host Steven, this is Jared. Much love. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.